Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
you tame the mind? How to get rid of anger, emotions, negative emotions? It's a very simple solution. Is by being spacious. Spacious. You understand? Then when you come to know the teachings more, the awareness, the understanding, the wisdom and the compassion become that spaciousness. Spaciousness becomes the nature of your mind. Spaciousness is the natural great peace. The spaciousness is the peace of mind. The spaciousness is the wisdom. Spaciousness is the compassion.
it's an age of lots of talking. It's an age of lots of distraction. It's an age of a lot of deception. And I could feel for even myself, if even I don't feel that I'm being honest to me, uh, there's something like automatically getting triggered in my consciousness to say, you could say that better. You could do that better. You know, that's not the way to go. And I hope that you're having the same feeling too. It's not that we're going to get it right all the time, but it's what we do when we don't get it right that's really important. And this is what America Meditating Radio is all about. We need to begin to heal the mental clutter and the mental confusion and the mental blockages that we've acquired over a long period of time. And the second thing I want to really invite all of you to always promise yourself that you will do is not to blame yourself or anyone else for that. It is just what it is. It is just what it is. It's a cloud. It's passing through, but the sun is always there. You know, when you wake up some mornings and you claim you don't see the sun, but the sun is there. It's just the cloud is blocking the sun. So I look at stages in my life, and maybe you do too, that when you're not feeling your best, you're not feeling clear, you're not feeling happy. You don't feel motivated, creative. It's a cloud. And if you look at your cloud, you will recognize that your cloud is filled with some unfulfilled emotions. Something is sitting in the heart that still aches, that still hurts, that just wants a little bit of clarity. It wants to be dispersed. And it doesn't feel better when you get angry. It doesn't feel better when you keep hiding from the pain. It doesn't feel better when you suppress it. And it doesn't feel better when you deceive yourself to pretend you're okay. Put a pen in the cloud. Create one thought, one thought alone, that you feel will be the key component in breaking the bubble of that thought so the sun can come through again. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed my thought for the day. And, you know, there's a lot going on, Colorado and all of these programs, working with a lot of kids at the Meditation Museum, doing programs for even our celebration called Raksha Bandhan was a delight. And as we, you know, walk into the India Independence Day, I'm so thrilled to be offering this special segment featuring Indians who are making a difference around the world and also in America. Today, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Indy Rishi Singh. Now, Indy is a former medical school student turned educator and well-being engineer. Don't you love that? He specializes in the science of neuroplasticity, and he effortlessly brings mindfulness and meditation practices to local law enforcement on the served youth in schools and marginalized communities, and even Fortune 500 companies seeking to shift their culture to one prioritizing mental health and wellness. So Indy has traveled the world. He's been studying integrative modalities and philosophies with some of the greatest gurus and teachers. He offers extensive knowledge in Western medicine, Ayurveda, Kundalini meditation, hypnotherapy, yoga, and mysticism, just to name a few. But he remains committed to the cultivation of community through education, human connection, and service to others. It's my honor to welcome Indi Rishi Singh to America Meditating as we focus on our special segment in honor of India's Independence Day. Indi, thank you for joining us today. Om Shanti. <laughs> Om Shanti. Thank you so much. What a wonderful 
introduction. And, and thank you so much for that, the clarity on us uh, being able to look at things spaciously, to be able to approach things, knowing that you know there's always there's always a bright side. You know, there's always something yeah. to look forward to. Yes, it's so true. When I was reading your bio, I liked the fact that it says a former medical school student. Your parents must have been wondering, did you finish it or did you kind of move on to something else? And your dad must have disinherited you, which is what Indian parents tend to do when you don't get that degree that they want you to get. Um, they still are on me about that, wondering if I'm still going to finish. Um, and that's so funny. You know, it's ironic because Although I didn't finish, I feel I do more medicine now than I did when I was, you know, in medical school and what I foresaw. It's funny, you know, the way I, I work with people and how I um, inspire them to take care of themselves. I feel that is kind of the lost art of medicine, mm. empowering individuals to, he, you know, empowering them to heal themselves. Yes, it's true. It's true. We have a presidential candidate who's been talking a lot about the healthcare industry. Instead of talking about drugs in the healthcare industry, let's talk about the sickness in America and what we need to do mm. to curtail our illnesses rather than rely on drugs, you know, from pharmaceutical companies that are even making us more sick than we were before. Now, with our special segment yep. featuring, you know, a lot of Indians either in America, outside America, we wanted to just highlight the first part of our show where we really talk about the culture of India and what they bring definitely to America, especially this being America meditating. You know, generally a lot of Indian parents push their kids to acquire a degree, whether it's in engineering, law, medicine, and IT. <laughs> These are the four main ones. And if they tell you, oh, I just want to be a concierge at um, a hotel, or dad, I just want to be a chef. Can I paint? And I just feel my calling. That isn't even an option. They go, you can do all of that after the degree. Being so influenced by the Western culture, did you ever kind of sit back and, and think about what is it in the Indian culture that tends to emphasize so heavily on the importance of education, what do you think our parents are basically trying to convey, or are they just stuck in a traditional vortex, which they have not even thought anything else outside of that box? What are your thoughts? That's uh, very interesting. Well, first, first of all, let me be a little vulnerable uh, in this space with you and let you know that my father passed away last week, mm -hmm. and I, I still have a lot of a lot of unresolved, unresolved issues feelings. with you know. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, with, with him and him, you know, being super excited, me going to medical school. And then when I didn't, when I got out of it, he still wasn't happy. He felt he, he failed, you know? So in that way, I thought a lot about this and I meditated on it a lot. And I've done a lot of work, therapy and all kinds of different things to, to kind of see what, you know, what's going on. Like, why, why did I feel, why do I feel, why have I felt, you know, incomplete in, in that respect, in the educational respect. And I think a lot of it has to do with history of Indians. You know, we have to think like that for the past, you know, almost four or five hundred years in India, there was um, almost like a, it, it was, India was taken over, you know, what, first mm -hmm. it was the Mughals, and then it was the British. So, you know, the moment India became independent, and all these Indians became somewhat independent, there was like this, like, push, like, you know, we need to be strong, we need to be on our own feet, you know, no, that way nobody can, you know, there's almost like this, like, yes. blowback. Right. And so I look at my dad and I look at my mom. They were immigrants. You know, they worked their butts off. They wanted us to be secure. 
because security yeah. was so important. And I think it's ingrained mm-hmm. in the subconscious. And so, so they, they relate higher education with security. And that worked for about 30 years in America, but right now, it's, it, you know, higher education doesn't necessarily mean, you know, security anymore. So unfortunately for them, that's still how they think. Yes, yes, they do. I'd like to hold a few seconds of silence for Dad. Is that okay? Of course, please, yes. Om Shanti. It being such a fresh departure and um, you being on the air, there's always a feeling that he's aware and he's around. And I just wanted him to know he didn't fail. It seems as if he's created a young man with just an incredible, beautiful spirit. And I think it leads me into the rest of our conversation today. And thank you for giving us some highlights on also the Indian culture, which I wanted to feature on this special segment. In your work and service, you are integrating Eastern and Western modalities and philosophies. Can you share with our listeners mm-hmm. how does the Eastern approach differ from the Western? Ah, I love that. I have to say that the, the Western approach is materialistic. And this is very simplified, okay, of course. But mm-hmm. the Western philosophies are materialistic and a little bit more objective, whereas Eastern philosophies tend to be a little bit more spiritual. I guess it's a little bit more intangible, um, and it, it's more subjective. So that's probably the easiest way to explain it. Uh, but I do think that it's important to understand that you know they're more valuable together. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's never it's never great to just look at things subjectively or objectively. It's great to just combine yeah. them and let them kind of like the yin and yang sign. Well, I always look at the fact that. Um I look at what's the plus and the positive of of being an Indian or having the values or the energy of India flowing through the personality. And then I look at what are the pluses of having the value and the energy of the West floating in the personality. And sometimes I'll hear people say that Indians are getting influenced by Western values. And at that moment, I will just pause and put on my Shakti form and say, don't say that, because it pushes off the responsibility of the millennials and the younger generation to have the power to choose, that it's a choice that they're making. And it's not about Western values. It's about the fact that you have to select if that's the road you want to go down. I mean, come on, I was raised here. I didn't go drugs and party and all of that. I mean, yeah, party. But I didn't go the whole nine <laughs> yards. And, and and so, you know, it's a choice that we must make. And so I think it's really, really important for us to always acknowledge that. It's been reported that the number of people in the U.S. practicing yoga and meditation has surged immensely over oh, the yeah. last five or seven years. Why do you think they've become so increasingly interested in yoga and meditation? I think um, there is a sort of... Spiritual anemia, an epidemic of spiritual anemia uh, happening all over the, you know, all of the world, but specifically in the West and in the U.S. And you know, when when people are, you know, lacking these, the basic uh, feelings of purpose and 
you know, a, a why they live and destiny or whatever it is, whatever these things that drive us, the stories. Yoga, it, it has that allure. Like it has that, it has that feeling of like, oh, I'm going to get some guidance. I'm going to get some support in terms of my spiritual where I'm lacking spiritually. And I've noticed that when I have people these days, the way that I dress and the way I carry myself in the normal way of things, I have people coming up to me all the time who are like, hey, do you teach yoga? Can you, can you? And they're like, they're people who have never, never seeked it before. And I think, you know, when I, get, when I talk to them more, it seems that they're just, they're looking for something that will give them meaning to their life. And right. yoga seems to be a beautiful package. It seems to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it is, it is. And and I think one of the things is that have you noticed that a lot of folks too are moving away from the ancient teachings of yoga from the East? And how do you feel about that, the appropriation of Indian philosophies by the West? I you know, that's that's a great question. As an Indian First of all, you know, growing up in the West, I didn't know much about my background. You know, I, we, I learned mm-hmm. stuff growing up in a family that was very Sikh, but I didn't learn the deeper aspects of it. You know, I could recite things, but I didn't learn the d- deeper aspects of things. And when I got older and things shifted in my life and I needed, you know, I hit a deep, dark abyss, it was then that I kind of dove deeper into my, my heritage and understanding the culture more and, underst- and then applying it. And in, in applying it, I understood that this, this stuff is very valuable, and the way it's also valuable is it's also about giving back, right? There's a part of yoga, there's a part of our, these yogic philosophies that's also about service. And what happens with these appropriations is that they forget that a big aspect of these, this culture is being involved, being politically involved, being involved with the community, giving back. And so when people appropriate these days, I always encourage them, like, if you're going to practice yoga and you're going to share it, and if you're going to, like, learn these things and get certifications and teach it, then at least make sure you give back to the communities you're taking from. You know, if you're going to take from a Native American community some principles, give back to them. If you take from an Indian community, you're taking some philosophies. Go back to India and maybe help out the children there. You know, go help start a school. Whatever it is, try to give back to the culture you're taking from, you know, rather than just taking and earning money from that. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I think takers get tired, but those who are really bestowers, the givers, the desta quality, I think are the ones who kind of stay in their game. They they keep going. They keep having creativity. And we have to be mindful that when we think about giving, a lot of us will say, I've given so much and this is what I got in return. But if we look at it a little bit more deeper and subtler, it seems as if your giving was to take. And so that one doesn't count in your giving, you know. You really have to give, you know, you really have to give from that place of an awakening. So we hear a lot today about enlightenment, consciousness, and awakening. What does it mean to you to be awakened and to live an awakened life? For me, I I believe that it's, it's a matter of connectivity. You know, the moment that we we truly are enlightened or we feel that feeling of enlightenment or whatever that is, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever whatever that thing is, it gives us this feeling of connectivity where we're not separate anymore. And when we don't have that separateness, we can work together, we can solve problems, we can have fun, we can we can do all kinds of great things, but it only can happen in that space of connectivity. So to me that's mm-hmm. they're very synonymous. Well, it's true. I mean, a lot of us uh, have become quite isolated. I even see myself, there might be just a handful of folks I'm just not comfortable with. And I find that when I'm not able to get into their vortex, something in me feels like there's a lack. 
because nothing or no one should make me feel like I'm separate or I'm not good enough to be in that vortex, you know? So that's not when I'm awakened, even though it's good for me to even identify that it's my limit. That's a form of awakening. However, not to live in the limit and consider it to be who you are. So you were recently featured on ABC News, congratulations, as an ABC star, (laughs) ABC 7 star for teaching mindfulness to the San Francisco Police Department, what has it been like to introduce mindfulness and self-care to police officers? How was that? <laughs> it's almost, it feels like a movie, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's phenomenal. Uh, wow. Uh, well, first of all, the way I got there, the way I, I kind of got to this point was uh, a laughter. I met the chief of police wearing a red clown nose, and I got him to laugh, and we engaged in conversation. And I had been approached by a couple other officers before, just randomly, and they just felt compelled to tell me their stories. You know, this is on the streets. And, they, you know, we started talking, and, you know, there's a big epidemic of officers facing burnout. You know, we hear about the negative aspects, right, on news, but we don't know that actually most police officers don't get good sleep. They don't have good habits, you know, in mm-hmm. spiritual habits and emotional habits. Maybe physically they're strong, but they're not, they're not practicing healthy habits in their mind um, and their spirit. So, of course, you're going to have problems, right? You're going to have issues. That's going to be an obvious, you know, um, symptom uh, of not taking care of that. So when I started working with these officers, right away, it was awesome. I mean, I started doing yoga nidra with them. You know, I started teaching them yoga practices and even tai chi practices. And, oh, my gosh, at the end of it, it was like we're like a family. And we had them write uh, surveys at the end and some of the Mm -hmm. things they wrote sister jenna was like it just made my heart like glow you know because i could not (laughs) like one of the officers Mm -hmm. i'll I'll show you share a quick anecdote we Mm -hmm. at the end of the yoga nidra he um i I had him do a gratitude practice and at at the end i would always we'd always talk about things this guy had tattoos he's like super strong super big right like tough guy former military now police officer and he, at the end, he raised his hand. He's like, you know, he said, I want to share my, what happened to me. I'm like, so what happened during the meditation? And he said, I pictured my daughter, and I was holding her. She was smiling, and we were laughing, and I felt so good. And he's like, mm-hmm. then, he's like, I felt good, I felt good. And then I stopped because I realized I was here. <laughs> wow. And I laughed, and I said, and I said, hey, like, you can do that anytime you want. You know, that's, you have access to that. You know, don't worry about it. If it goes away, it goes away. But now you know you can do that. And just to tell you, Sister Jen, like, some people just don't even ask. Like, we take it for granted, right, Sister Jen, that we can access these parts of our mind. But a lot of right. people who are serving us can't do this. So I'm kind of on a mission, not just with the law enforcement, but also in politics, to bring this into politics, into the government, into other spaces where people don't know that they have this in them, that they can feel gratitude, that they can feel good, <laughs> you know, that they can feel but they can feel well. It's okay. you know, right, they, they right. It's interesting. It just seems as if the climate that we're in, if you're not angry, upset, or, or criticizing someone, <laughs> it's like you're weird. <laughs> it's just like it's so, it's such an unusual time. It's it's a lower vibration that's definitely persisting. However, I do feel that the light is coming through, and considering the chaos the instability, the negativity that we're witnessing in the world. Are you optimistic about the future of our humanity? Well, hmm, 
So, you know, what you're talking about is like Kali Yug, you know, the philosophy mm-hmm. of the ages, right? And so just like with any philosophy, when it comes to cycles, there's cycles, you know? And so I believe less in optimism and more in the physics of the cycle, right? So like all things, there would be up and down, up and down, it'll come. And just with this too, you know, we have, we do have a lot of potential for this. There's a swing, you know, like where there has been a lot of negativity, you know, there has been a lot of war and famine and, you know, a lot of issues, right? Um, However, we now have the technology to solve a lot of those problems. We're developing artificial intelligence to make things more easier. We're even now even having conversations, Sister Jenna, about things like universal basic income, where everybody has right. their basic needs met. I mean, this is that's crazy. Like t- 20, 30 years ago, people would have been like, "You're crazy," right? But now it's like, right. hmm, like that actually makes sense. So we're due for an upswing. That's all I can say. Yes. You know. I love um, that. I love. I love that. Yes, we are at the tail end of Kali Yuga, and there's a confluence in between the Kali Yuga and the Satyug, the Golden Age. And it feels as yes. if almost some of us are being pulled into the more Satyugi, which is the age of truth, the age of beauty, the age of purity, as if our our personality is getting pulled to be that more. And then the Kali Yuga one, I just mm-hmm. don't know what they're up to. They're just like in such a mess. You just really want to pray for them. And and you realize that that's just the side of history that they need to go down on. And perhaps it's playing a role. You know, it's sort of like when you burn wood, you have to burn it until it becomes yes. ash. And it feels as if yes, this yes. energy of vice, the ego, the anger, the greed, the jealousy, the hate, that's burning itself out till it becomes ash. And then the ash will nurture not only consciousness, but the earth opening up the statue. That is definitely the inevitable. So I get that. Let's just look at a little bit of a futuristic conversation just for a minute before we come to a close of our beautiful, beautiful time together. You've traveled around the world. You perform a lot of charitable work, and you've impacted the lives of many. So congratulations and lots of love to you you for that. But now on a personal level, where do you see yourself in five years? What's next for Indy? Uh, in five years, um, in five years, I see myself uh, taking what we're doing in India with the orphans. Uh, we have an orphanage called uh, Yoga Mission. Uh, if anybody wants to see it, it's yogamission.uk, um, and where we take kids off the streets and we teach them Sanskrit and yoga and philosophy and Ayurveda. And some of them are even winning like philosophy deba- like debate contests and stuff now. So mm-hmm. um, what I what I see myself in five years doing is doing that, running orphanages around the world that are all connected, and and not just orphanages for kids, but for adults as well, to cultivate scientists, engineers, therapists, artists, you know, in the same space, kind of creating mm-hmm. this um this network, this what is it, mycelial human network around the world of orphanages where where kids can move back and forth whether it's in you know an orphanage in San Diego the kids from India can come to the one in San Diego and the kids that are adopted in San Diego can go to India you know for a year or whatever it is in five years I see see that all over the world and just a network of people that move back and forth and learn from each other and grow and what brought you into the whole notion of being of service to orphanages so something that, huh, t- that touched I, yo, you I, deeply that made you go in that direction? 
You know, I, I've done a lot of work with like uh, past life regressions and hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. and now you know I can I facilitate those. I, I feel there's something in maybe maybe a past life mm-hmm. having to do with orphans. And, you know, we don't know how these things work. Sometimes we're the perpetrator, <laughs> you know, in another life. Right. Um, I feel compelled, like compelled to rectify this problem of children, like the way our children are treated in this world. You know, there's way too many kids, way too many kids who don't get support and nurture. Mm-hmm. And when they don't get nurtured, they turn into the criminal. They turn into sociopaths. They turn into the people who are making it a kaliyog. You know, when we talk right. about people who are like so negative, they're like on the opposite spectrum. A lot of those people didn't have great support as children, you know, and right. they didn't exactly. see that anything is possible, right? So yes. for me, I see a big way to solving the world's problems is by empowering young ones to be superheroes, you know, and with those superheroes, oh, we're going to be we're going to be fine, Sister Jen. Now we can kick back when we're older, right? <laughs> we can but, retire by but, then. But we, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll be like, they'll be taking care of everything for us. So, you know, empowering them is also very practical for me. Like if, if we're going to solve our world's problems, it's going to be about empowering the youth. And that's, that's, that's another angle of it. too. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's been a delight uh, being on air with you, Indy. You're just uh, refreshing. Likewise. And I'd love for you to maybe, uh, is there any upcoming events for you that you'd like to shout out? And could you leave us a website where we can find more information about you and your work? Yes, yes. Uh, well, I would definitely advise anyone who wants to stay in touch or when I'm traveling and doing, I, I do retreats around the world. Um, whatever it is, please go to uh, www.iliving, like iPhone, iliving.guru. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's the end of it, .guru. Uh, and outside of that, you know, there is a project that I would love for people to, you know, um, jump on board with uh, when they get a chance if they're on Instagram to check out Cosmic Playground and okay. that's a project that we started it's it's a Hollywood project there's a big team and uh, they've asked me to be the next Mr. Rogers and it's <laughs> going to be a show uh, a mindfulness show for kids and teenagers where we're combining science and spirituality so that's in the works you know it's going to be really fun it's a, it's a live live show that's going to be filmed as well so, Wonderful. Uh, look out I for can, that. I could see you being the next Mr. How would I put it? Roger Singh. <laughs> I could see you being <laughs> Roger the next Singh. Mr. Rogers for sure. <laughs> if I could be a fragment, if I could be the dust off of the feet of Mr. Rogers, I would be great, super, super grateful. Right? What a guy. Okay. Well, look, we're going to s- sprinkle some dust your way. And I'm sure that everything you do will be really bright up. So lots of love to you, lots of good wishes. Let us know if you ever come to the nation's capital. We'd love to connect. And many blessings and Om Shanti. Likewise. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a wonderful spirit, everyone. That was Indy Rishi Singh. If you'd like more information about him, you can go to iliving.guru.com or there's another one called cultivatingself.org for more information. I hope you're enjoying our special segment featuring some wonderful voices from India or with Indian origin to kind of give us more highlight on, you know, the culture of India and the richness of the culture and how we are sharing those values and abilities in not only in our lives but also in America and in the world at large. I'm ending the conversation today with Love Divine by Grammy Award winner Ricky Cage, also an Indian beautiful, beautiful musicianist and a dear friend. 
And as I end the show every day is, remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's definitely do that. Take a deep breath and enjoy.
Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. to America Meditating Radio that was looking for the light, something that we all must begin to dive deeper within our consciousness to find. And if you don't know what light means, it means to be loving, kind, understanding, accepting, opened, curious, peaceful, pure, powerful, loveful. I think you get an idea of what light means now, right? Because the dark would be somebody who's angry, jealous, hateful, greedy, lustful, arrogant, deceitful. So you get that. So light is a completely different expression of personality. You're kind, you're creative, you're loving, you're powerful, you're pure, you're innovative, you're moving the world forward with peace and grace. Darkness, you are moving the world forward, there's no doubt. (laughs) In a different way, though, you don't get credit. 
and you end up in a deficit at the end of the journey. But those who are moving the world forward with light will end up with a surplus. And I think it's very easy to decode that. When you say you're tired, you can get sleep and be rejuvenated. You can go on a vacation and be rejuvenated. But when you're empty, you can't give love, especially when it's needed. When you're empty, you can't be at peace in a chaotic situation. When you're empty, you will bring peacelessness in a peaceful situation. So light, peacemaker, dark, chaos maker. Which side do you serve? What part of history do you want to stand firm in? And as we celebrate India's Independence Day today, August the 15th, I want you all to think about all the stuff that has emerged since then. I mean, just imagine, one man decided that this wasn't right. This wasn't right being taken over by um, a foreign country and to be basically slaves to that foreign power. And something inside, you see, it's that light. That light inside wakes up and says, this is not who we are. It's okay if we enslave each other, but why should we let strangers do it? And Mahatma Gandhi really spearheaded and continued to fight through and try to make it the best that it could be. There are a lot of problems in India, there's no doubt. But though there was also a lot of wealth stolen and looted from India. And there are many countries today that are living off of the wealth that was stolen from Mother Bharat. Today we want to honor India, and we want America Meditating to continue to spread the awareness of the value, the culture, the awareness of the Indian people, and to what extent are they making changes. Now, I'm not saying India's perfect, like I said earlier. There are a lot of things that are going on that they need changes in. Tradition has sometimes silenced the millennials. Culture has silenced the innovators and the, the big thinkers. And I find that to be sometimes criminal at this time. I was on a platform with the former Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright. This was over 10 years ago or 12 or 15 years ago. But to this day, to this day, we were talking about poverty in Africa and how we can begin to work on eradicating it. And to this day, she made a comment. She says, don't tell me it is cultural. It is criminal what you're doing to the people. I'm not saying America's perfect, but that quote, that one line has stayed with me for over a decade. So when we are in particular cultures and the culture says, don't express what you're feeling because our family will be like this or you will get like this or this is not our values. One of the things that we hear a lot in America is that Indians tend to compare their values with American values and they look down on American values. And I get really frustrated by that because it's not about that. Every culture carries its strengths and its limits. What do you like about America? Because you're living here. And what do you like about your country? And how do you bring that value into the country to, for it to grow, for it to grow? So I always say that the way we need to look at ourselves is to check, is there any interior division going on? Is there any interior division? Are you in conflict with yourself? Because if you are in conflict with yourself, you are going to be in conflict with others. Stay tuned. I'm going to bring back my wonderful, I just love this, I love this brother. 
I don't know why. I just love this guy. <laughs> Manish Malhotra will be with us, and he's a successful publicist, retailer, media influencer, but a shaker. And I think one of the things that I love about Monish, he's not living based on the societal dogma on his life, even though I'm sure we're going to talk about his challenge and in, in his ability to just be who he thinks he is or who he wants to be. And we're going to talk to Monish in just a minute, right after Ricky Cage takes us into Love Divine.
love that. That was Ricky Cage. I love Ricky. He's an Indian composer, music producer, and a really serious environmentalist. And he also won the Grammy at the 50th Annual Grammy Awards. And so big, big shout-out to Ricky Cage, who I'm trusting will also be in our series here. And he's got a wonderful album called Winds of Samsara, which is where I actually came to know more about him. Love his energy, too. He's just doing amazing work. Well, listen, welcome back to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host. Today we're honoring India's Independence Day. Thursday, August 15th. So we're featuring a very special segment on America Meditating. We really want to talk about India and its work in the world and and how it stands in the world today. What is India? Who is India? Who are some of the people that are really making changes in the Indian culture as well as the future of Mother Bharat? Today's guest is Monish Malrota. Monish is a successful publicist, retailer, and a media influencer. In addition to all of this, what has truly defined his path in life is his inspiring work for the LGBTQIA plus community for empowering young people from the community and opening up a discussion in prominent media platforms to organizing the first pride parade in India and continuing the pride for 11 the parade for 11 years Manish has done his best to make sure that the LGBTQIA plus people are recognized and accepted he has also starred in the upcoming movie Sandeep or Pinky Farrar, starring Arjun Kapoor and Parineet Chopra. Professionally, he is the CEO of Silver Monkey Communications. It's an award-winning public relations firm and the franchise of the label Balanced by Rohit Bal. The pret line of renowned fashion designer Rohit Bal through his partnership startup SN Luxury. Today, we're privileged to welcome my brother back on air. Hey, Manish, Om Shanti. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You feel my love, don't you? Oh my God, it's it crawls under my skin, and I feel it. <laughs> I know it does. I don't know. You I, know, it, it, I, the I, level of feeling <laughs> I have to up every time I have to speak with you, it's like... Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yes, very true. Yeah. I think rebels like rebels. And there's nothing more invigorating and than to be a rebel like with pebbles. purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is so true. So true. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for India's Independence Day today. India is it's such an old civilization. Pleasure. and some Welcome. And sometimes I wonder, why is it that it really hasn't gotten the traction like countries like Africa has? Historically, there's some... You know, historical papers that state that Africa really was the first country or continent. But from my understanding, it was India. It was Bharat, where the deities lived. And as time lapsed on or went on, those deities changed. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But that happened after the copper to the Iron Age. So what happens, what I think is that there's been such a big change. My interpretation was... Here was a land that was in complete balance, male and female. People were just living from a place of innocence and purity, but fortitude and virtues and values, which is very, very natural. And they also, this is my understanding that I still hold, and I'm always open for renewal or refinement. You know, when Lakshmi and Narayan were like the emperors, everything was just in order. No one had an issue. Everyone had their value. 
Nobody wanted anything from anyone and nobody was expecting anything from anyone. But as time moves on, like we're seeing now how much the world is changing because of time, consciousness changed. Those same residents who started to take birth and rebirth changed from being very much self-sovereign into individuals who just became really average personalities and started to play the game of what's in it for me, you know. And so Mm -hmm. here we are thousands of years later And India is still trying, I feel, to hold on to those original values of those times. However, because time and our own consciousness has changed, it's almost as if there's a denial that that energy does exist in us, but we've also gone through a a change in our own selves. And sometimes you're still kind of, there's this imposing, like, suppress it, suppress the fact that you are no longer like those deities. You are now this, but right. you're supposed to suppress that you are now this and act like you're some deity. And so I feel like it's right. created so much complexity in the way the relationships unfold in India. So I would love to hear from your mouth to my ears and to the world. <laughs> you know, from your eyes, how do you feel about India today? What are your feelings? Yeah. You know, I want to speak about two things. Before I get to your original, this question, which is persistent, mm. I was listening to the introduction of the show where you were talking about culture and how mm. things change or sometimes enforced, impelled, perpetuated, or even an expectation of modernization or to, so to say, catch up to the construct of time or modernization. I want to just say one thing. Just because you've been swimming in carrot soup all your life, and if you look like a carrot or smell like a carrot, (laughs) you're still not a carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. If you take yourself out of the carrot soup, it might take a little while for the consciousness to prevail and, and the side effects of swimming in the karatsu for all that while to kind of ward off or sort of go away. What are we that we are trying to forget very, very hardly? And secondly, you know, coming to the question that you asked, you know, when we speak about the Big Bang or the center of the solar system or the sun, there is sun that is contributing to the entire solar system. It's the energy source. And then uh, each of the planets that are going through their own evolution, Earth is the recorded place, like Africa, maybe the first of the recorded place. But that doesn't mean it's the only truth. So what is it that we want to believe? What harmonization can we all be and inspire each other to live and be and know and receive from each other and most of all, contribute the kindness, the yes. compassion, and the passion that the glory of India speaks about. Do no harm. Hear no evil. Yes. See no evil. Say no evil. Have you found that the Indian culture sometimes just struggles with newness? Or the difference? <laughs> or, or being different? In 2019, perhaps, because after the economic reforms of '91. We are not a very old country in terms of the recent past few hundred years of history. 
We got mm-hmm. our independence in 1947. And after that, there was a clear division of, okay, the, the families that had the money, the families that did not have the money, and the farmers, and this, that, and the other. We're not going into the myth and the history of 2,000 years ago. So from mm-hmm. there till now, the newness, and from 91 onwards, it's become almost like the salt and the pepper on top of every dish. If you wish to survive and interact with the rest of the world, you have to adapt the language, the linguistics, and the energy that the rest of the world is following. And no doubt that India is one of the center stages that everyone is looking at, whether it's outsourcing, or whether it's importing, whatever that may be for each country, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. And one of the things, and I don't know if you've ever observed it, because I come from both sides of the fence. Being entrenched, I understand, you know, I feel my Indian culture, but I've also been uh-huh. raised in the U.S. and my mother's African. Uh-huh. And so I see things from a sort of a universal perspective, let me say that for the use of a better word. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. one of the things that I've often loved and admired about the Indian culture is that there is a kind of a, a quietness. I'm going to slap myself, but... There is a quietness and there is a loudness, but there's a quietness about the way they do go about in life. And what I mean by that is, example, the Brookings Institute did a research here in America a few years ago about who are the most affluent and influential minorities in the country. And Indians were one that came up, and they gave an example about how an Indian will walk into a car dealership with shorts and a flip-flop. It looks like he has nothing goes and buys the top of the brand car with cash and walks out and the people are like smacked. Like, wait, how did we would have never, you know, coined this person that would be able to buy top of the line car and cash. And so there's something <laughs> about them that they're just so long term thinking. And there's something about them that keeps mm-hmm. Indians very deeply entrenched in a kind of a stability which is always supported Uh by family in a very unique way that I find to be one of its great successes that I've seen. Uh Correct. Absolutely. My mind is going into 8,000 directions right now. I can imagine. A few, (laughs) right. (laughs) The first thing is, you know, with the richness of the history and the culture in India, it's very prevalent that we are taught from the beginning that save something for tomorrow. And it's not necessarily always for the rainy day. And I think the quietness that you're talking about might just be for the rest of the world and a misidentification and misapplication of the simmering joy of beings that has been passed from generation to generation. You know, like Mm -hmm. reserving some gold, passing gold, making sure that every time you're marrying off a daughter to a boy you give them an ample amount, a surplus of gold jewelry. Now, that may look very decorative and decadent, but what's the real truth behind it? What's the beautiful energy underneath it? It's that, you know, Mm -hmm. in a rainy day, if you are in a situation, there you go. You don't have to worry about life because of money. Right. So, futuristic, futuristic thinking, futuristic planning, and the nonchalance of all of it has always been a tradition in India from day one. It's not just about the great decadent 70s 
celebration, but underneath that, the subtleties of yes. security, of understanding yes. that, you know, if money is the core thing, no problem, we'll save and we'll make sure that our children are secure and our parents are not homeless. And all of those values have been intrinsically more inherent more prevalent, more exercised, and more celebrated even on this continent, yes. you know? You see, yes. I mean, the least amount of elderly people being homeless, I could safely so, say so that it's in India. And if you're a homeless person, you can always go to a temple to get some free food, at least to survive your body. Yes, I agree with you on that. And another thing that I know has been a big recognition just overall i just i every indian i've ever met will always do charity for something religious or spiritual every single indian even the atheists that i've met have come into the meditation mm-hmm. museum and they'll be like mm-hmm. i don't believe in god but you know they'll, they'll give a donation to the museum but i, do but I believe, believe in, in good being. work yes i believe yes. in being and i will contribute to other beings in whatever way yes. possible you know Food and famish in India has never been so much of a problem ever, even though it looks like we are almost 1.7 billion people. And yes, we do have slums, we do have poverty, we do have people living under poverty, and we are still sort of working out our own dynamics in terms of, you know, how to create a system that will sustain so many people. Having said that, I see that there is that hidden kindness or not so hidden. It's just there, whether you believe in God or not. Yes. <laughs> you believe in I God agree. or you believe in God. <laughs> Something. I agree you with you. You've got one string of <laughs> kindness somewhere. <laughs> great. <laughs> I, um, I was at a luncheon with um, former Secretary of State uh, Condoleezza Rice, and mm-hmm. I was sitting next mm-hmm. to her, fortunately. And we just talked mm-hmm. about India, and I asked, so how was India, Condi? Like, how did you enjoy it? And she paused, and I knew exactly what she was trying to do is find the words to describe India. As an outsider mm-hmm. in, you cannot find the words. And I helped her, Monique, and I said, it's organized chaos, isn't it? And she looked at me with her eyes Talk wide open, chaos. and she said, absolutely. <laughs> it was just, mm-hmm. it works. And it works because what we always say in Hindi, because of the bhavna of the people, that there's a feeling that flows through the character of the people that it says, Mm -hmm. we're going to survive this, we're going to make it through. Exactly. And I want to expand on what you just said, Sister Jenna. You just said the bhavna, but you know, when you say bharata, it's like the Mm -hmm. bhav, rat, and the tal. Mm -hmm. The bhav is the emotion of people. The song of the people, the sim- symphony and the tal, the rhythm, and all of it beautifully synchronizing in one odd way or the other, whether you call it the methodical chaos or the abnormality of the normalcy, whatever you want to call it, the bhav, rag, yes. tal of, of the beauty Absolutely. of the infinite. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you there completely. I believe that India is moving. I mean, it has to clean up itself, just like America, just like Europe, just like Africa, just like China, Japan, Russia. I feel like everything is going through like a tsunami of transformation. And for me, and I, I know that the next opening of a world that works for everyone will start in Mother Bharat. It'll be Satyug, it'll be the golden age, and 
None of us will enter that age with all of our issues. We would have reached a place of deep acceptance and purity and benevolence. So anyway, I want to talk about you in this specific area because this is a big conversation in India. You courageously organized the first Pride Parade uh, 11 years ago. I can't believe it was 11 years ago. You know, I thought it was like Only. five years ago or two years. <laughs> yeah. What was the what was the atmosphere like at that time, and where is India today in terms of accepting members of the LGBTQIA plus? You know, I I start to go the alphabet when I'm when I'm done with you. I was like, yeah, okay, you can A, B, say C, D. A to Z and beyond. Thank you. <laughs> Everything is covered <laughs> before, after, and beyond. Yeah, but just to answer what you're asking is, you know. Oh, let me find some words. Uh, my sense, oh God, so much excitement. My sense is this, that <laughs> I used to speak about acceptance and I used to say earlier that, you know, before acceptance even arrives, the middle ground is tolerance. You know, you have to be tolerant of something to even set that ground to negotiate the space of accepting something. But I think in the last 11 years, we are way beyond it. We are beyond tolerance. We are beyond acceptance. We are beyond all of that. And we are at the point of acknowledging, meaning there is no right or wrong. White is white. Black is black. Gray is gray. Rainbow is rainbow. So to come to the point from the fights of discrimination and fighting for tolerance and going to acceptance, now coming to the point of acknowledgement that yes, these people exist and they're different and they're only different. And that's all about it. It has been a humongous transformation, not for the LGBT community, but for the rest of the world in India. Is it more difficult in a culture in a country like India that does not, didn't usually openly express sexual tendencies, much less the movies. They, in the old days, they never even showed people kissing, you know, but they would leave it to your imagination. And mm-hmm. so when it comes on to that sort of a taboo, it's a country that doesn't mm-hmm. really speak much about it, but yet it has one of the largest populations in the world. Again, it takes me right. back to the whole thing about how suppression can actually damage mm-hmm. a soul if not expressed mm-hmm. in a way that there is dignity, acceptance, understanding, mm-hmm. and space. I think you answered your own question, but just to reiterate this, I'd say that all of what we are speaking about right now in this particular dialogue is recent history. India is the land of diversity, is the land of ultimate acceptance. We speak about kinners and gandars and fairies and yonaks and all of that. Like, the, and my polity is full of mm-hmm. different creatures and characteristics. It's very recently, yeah. whether you call it the post-colonial hangover or modernization or the adaptation to sort of work in harmony with the rest of the world, these concepts were permeated or adopted or adapted, whatever the word that may be. But my sense is, what we are looking at is the time frame of the last 300 years. Before that, none of that existed. You know, the hijras and the effeminate communities existed thousands of years ago and were celebrated, were decorated. Interesting. You were instrumental in the country's decriminalization of homosexuality last year. 
what was the process? What a terrible thing I did. <laughs> what was what was that process like? And did you face a lot of opposition? I bet you did. Initially, but the cherry on the cake, and you know, when you say you can't have the cake and eat it too, it proved to be wrong in the Supreme Court. One of the judges mm. said the democracy comes from the ashes of the gay hallelujah. The other one said that we owe an apology to the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm. And this is a colonial hangover. And before that, Theresa May, the Prime Minister of uh, United Kingdoms, apologized to all the colonies where the British actually wow. left this law because this law was never in India. It was brought in by the Britishers. In 1857. I never knew that. Yes. See how much well, you learn on America Meditating it. Radio? Exactly. <laughs> you heard it here first. What else there is possible? Wow. Wow. India you said that the concept sh- of that. Yeah, but that's what I would say, you know, because it's it's such, I mean, you can struggle in terms of your family, where they're always wanting you to be something, and then you realize they realize you might be something else. But at the end of the day, there's such a deep love and attachment. I call it in two parts. The attachment really bonds the family, but there's also a deep love that bonds the family, that at the end of the day, they will accept you after the father says, you know, I, you're dead to me. I never want to see you again. And after five years, oh, son, yeah. I'm so sorry, you know, <laughs> all of yeah. that stuff happens. They always turn around. You know what, Sister Jenna, I want to just emphasize on one thing. The family mm-hmm. units in India and the rest of the world, or especially, let's say, the East and West, work slightly differently. And I'm not trying to say that one is superior than the other. But the way it works here is your neighbors are involved in your day-to-day life. If you're sick, they'll bring you food. Yes. You know, they're concerned. So the first fear of the family is, you know, we don't want to upset the whole chain of the extended family. But underneath that, there's a deep level of caring and a little bit of fear and a lot of confusion that what's really going on. At the end of the day, it's always the first attack is of confusion. And when you get over that, it's beautiful. A bunch of mm. people make a family. A bunch of family make a society or neighborhood. And a bunch of society make a nation. So India, from the very first days, has had this very, very, very accepting culture of, okay, unity and diversity. We have so many more languages. We have 33 million gods and goddesses. But still, mm-hmm. we, we celebrate yeah. our differences. Yes, yes, I'll agree with that. I know that for sure. I mean, we can barely deal with our, ourselves here in America, but between Baptists and Christians, geez, that's another story. Uh-huh. You said that the show Modern Family, which is a very well-known show here in America, oh my God, amazing. influenced you a lot. <laughs> Why did it? You know, it was such an anomaly within the framework of a family. So, okay, well, maybe one rhyme is the Lee. <laughs> maybe a Chinese person <laughs> made it. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the senses, <laughs> the senses, they destroyed the concept of a regular heteronormative family with such a sense of humor, with beauty, with sexualness. I'm not saying, and even sexuality, sexualness, sexuality, fondness, and destroying those stereotypical frameworks 
where we try and put everything within those boxes. So I think all those boxes, as each episode went on and each season went on, those boxes melted and people were able to receive so much more. Similarly, the same thing happened when Karan Johar launched this movie called Dostana, where, where you know, these two mainstream Bollywood actors, where Macho one was playing Little Camp and the other one was super muscular. But they showed it in good humor with an Indian mother wearing a sari and so much emotional trauma and drama. And that was simultaneous to my earlier years of coming out. And I remember my aunts, my mother's sister, my little cousins, they were hardly 10 years old. They were singing me a song from that movie, trying to say, we know that you're gay, but we're okay about it. But there was an <laughs> opening point, an entry point to those conversations with a little bit of humor, maybe not even a little bit, a lot of humor. And that allowed it to come out of under the carpet and to the main table as like one of the main cores. Wow. How does it get any better? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. It does. So what more progress do you think is still needed in terms of equality for members of the LGBTQIA community and beyond? <laughs> what is required is not for the LGBT community to change. The LGBT community has played its part to sort of come out and share their stories and appeal to the rest of the world and the society. And it's been a catalyst to the change to everything else around. We are now just going to wait and see how soon, how quickly that transforms the lava into the butterfly, the caterpillar effect, the butterfly effect, and how this beautiful planet can be a beautiful space embracing everyone, empowering everyone, mainstreaming everyone in its own essence and equality, recognizing each person's being for who they are. You know, I'm going to ask you a question, sister. What is your mm -hmm. favorite color? <laughs> wow. Quickly, so weird. White is, what, because I was going to immediately say white, what but is white your is favorite a color. color. I would what, say what white, but it's not a color. What is your favorite color? White. White. Who told you? I did. Good. That's it what the rest of me. the world needs to know. That's, <laughs> that's what the rest of the world needs to know. What you like, what's your favorite, only you can tell yourself. And only you mm -hmm. know. That's all. Yes. That's how choice exists. It has no logic, reason, conclusion. Expectation, projection, or judgment. Yes. It is about total deceiving without yes. any cognitive thought whatsoever. Now, one of the areas that I've always um, been curious to hear, observe, experience from the community mm -hmm. is a deep mm -hmm. sense of spiritual uprising, a deep sense of spiritual uprising within the community. There, we were on the tel we were on your radio show, which we're going to talk about Voice of America that you and Cass Thomas do. But one of the conversations mm -hmm. in your radio show that you did with your launch show was that Cass had mentioned that we find that a lot of folks in the community they tend to be very sexually oriented, very physically oriented, and so mm -hmm. how does that play out in terms of let's just put aside put aside that component. Now, let's awaken mm -hmm. the spiritual side. And I know that you're mm -hmm. involved with a very beautiful method 
that basically goes deep into questions to bring out the best of the soul in its expression. So for Mm -hmm. me, I sometimes feel like I would love to see the community rise in that kind of a narrative of spiritual Mm -hmm. conversation, integrity, relationship. You're welcome. Thank you for this question, Dr. Jenna. I would even first go to destroy the foundation of this question and then even share my point of view. When we speak about a community, we on this planet are one community. Mm-hmm. And my point of view is each one of us is yearning, looking for something we all know is possible and is different from where we stand today. Whether it's LGBTQ community or not, all of us have develop some sort of bell jars or defense mechanism or coping mechanism. Some express it through sex or sexuality or rebellion. Some go through anger, depression, hate. Some go through eating disorders, whatever. But all of that is actually underneath that is an awareness that something else is possible and we don't know how to access it. And when we recognize that, that there is something else possible, and we try our own way, whether it's, you know, meditation or whether it's whatever work, spirituality, oneness, however we want to put it across. When we mm-hmm. give it a little chance is really when we begin to recognize the true, the real beauty of our being, the uniqueness that each of us are on this planet. Yeah. And it's not yeah. about having a life. It's about experiencing the joy of living. Yes. I agree with you on that. Sense. It does. Because at the, I mean, That's I speak in terms work of this. You are doing radio show and the museum and effortless work for so many, so many, so many, so many years and millions of listeners benefiting from it, me being one of them. Thank yes, you. Yes. How did we get to like you. to acknowledge you, to meet <laughs> you, to interact with you in this life? I have to thank Marla Maples for that one. <laughs> so mm, um, the reason why on. the reason you is... can have the cake and eat it too, <laughs> along with the child. And of course, we'll give I a piece it. to Marla. Hi, Marla. How are you? <laughs> you know, as Dear we Marla. unfold, as we unfold, and you and I both know this personally. It's not about even labels and titles. And for whatever reason. Thank you. I know that. I know that with all my heart. I know that. It it reaches a point where if every one of us, male, female, black, white, rich, poor, there's an imbalance in our souls, and we all have to balance that back out. But I think because we're still so body conscious, which means we're still so human, there's sometimes a feeling or a need to feel a belongingness to a kind of a community to build our strength so that we can fly and be free. And I've seen that. Are you connected with any sort of a like South Asian LGBTQ networks outside of India? And if so, would you like to share a little bit about their work or what you're doing with them? For that, I go there. I just want to really <laughs> blurt <What>? out one <laughs> comment. <laughs> you said, yes, we have the need to be human. I want to go back to my initial comment when I started commenting. It's just because we look like carrot soup, swim in it for the rest <laughs> of our life, smell like it. doesn't mean we are carrot soup. We look like humans. But sure, 
we are humanoid. We have a different purpose here. Yeah. We have the apparency of something or someone, but we do have this intrinsic knowing being receiving and perceiving, which is beyond this reality. And then going on to what you just asked, yes, I am actually a member of Interpride, which is uh, not just South Asian LGBTQ things, but it's an international affiliation or a conglomerate of all the LGBT networks around the globe at the moment. I'm going there to attend a conference in October in Athens to just learn more what's the progress there. And I do visit the UN twice a year, at least once a year, to sort of know what are the updates, what is the policy, what are the labeled policies that are available that we can propagate through our work. I mean, not in so many words. Beautiful, beautiful. Congrats. Well, let's talk about your radio show, Voice America. You and Cass Thomas have recently launched it. How is it doing? How can people connect with it? What are some of the topics? The the radio show Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs is a weekly feature on Voice America, 1 p.m. Pacific time. I hope that some of your listeners are not offended just by the name. But the reason the name is so provocative, I'm actually trying to break those stereotypes. Just talking about pure knowledge and experiences that, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have done drugs to listen to what I'm saying. What is your other drug? Is it a relationship? Is it your child? Is it some situation you've enslaved yourself? And, you know, is it your sexuality? Are you a sexual healer? Do you even know what that means? So the concept of sex beyond copulation, you know, touching touching a wall is copulation. You're you're interacting with another molecule. And that's the space where I'm trying to take people to to see mm. that what is defined and what it actually is, there's a huge difference. So we've been speaking about abuse, relationships, going from mild to wild. Have you been hiding under labels? We've been even speaking about the spirit world Mm. for a certain occasion where I'm actually teaching people how to communicate with the other world and have your own knowing. Very powerful. Very powerful. Any latest, you know, your next big thing, which is just to breathe, but (laughs) any big things that are happening now that we need to know about? Not the big I would like to leave all our listeners, and I'm saying ours because I like to believe that I'm you and you're me. I like for everyone to look at their jails. We are all trying to perpetuate ourselves and jail ourselves. What are jails? Jails are judgments, agendas, inventions, and lies. What is our positive and negative judgment about something or someone? And if we let them go, can we be free? Do we have any agendas with someone or something that we are not acknowledging? What are we inventing? Are we inventing problems in our lives to prove that we are very strong and we can get over that problem, hence we exist? What if we can receive the space of just being and total joy without those inventions? And what inventions can we invent that will generate more peace and joy in the world? And what lies are we buying into and perpetuating on ourselves, mm. that if we let yes. them go, be totally free. Beautiful. 
It's a lot of soul searching, isn't it? It's really <laughs> no, really. It's a lot of. Um, I'm finding myself <laughs> observing more and more uh, at a spiritual level is what we say in sort of Hindi, uh, sankalp. And what yeah, are these the thoughts? Yeah, what are these thoughts saying to me? What have I believed in? What is it that this thought has committed to that is it serving the greater purpose of my existence and the world at large? Or ha- mm-hmm. has it actually made me turn my back away from the world and become so self-focused that I'm not even good enough for me anymore? And so that's yeah. been a really big assignment for me of late. I would say the last year it's been, where are do these we, thoughts taking me? Do we have 30 more seconds? We have five Sorry. Okay, so maybe for the next. No problem. But I wanted to do a quick exercise for everyone, picking on what you just said about the thoughts. Because there mm-hmm. is a point of creation where we just invent these thought feelings and emotions. And if we can let them go, what else is possible? Beautiful. That's what we need to do. Well, look, I have enjoyed you as usual. <laughs> and I really as want you to visit me in Washington. Or even more. Yeah. When you come up in Washington, I might be in India at the end of September, when? but I'll let you know. Maybe around September 27th for the Global Summit, but I'll not, update not you, yes. So I'm in Costa Rica uh, end of this month and then Italy, but definitely the dates you're mentioning, I'm in India. So let's okay. see. Leave us with a wonderful website that folks can get in touch Thank with you. you. And, you know, Godspeed to you. And I hope you Thank know you. that just always a constant love and light that I'm sharing around you, you, above you, for you, you. and keep doing your good work. Thank you. Thank you. How did I get so lucky to know you, to be with you, to be with you? (laughs) What's the best website (laughs) for you? Got it. Easy. You take Ah. care. Om Shanti and Namaskar. Om Shanti and Namaskar. Bye-bye. Well, that was Manish Malhotra, and now you can understand why I just love the spirit of this soul, just so much wisdom and enthusiasm and truthfulness, which is something I know that we all need. I hope you're enjoying our segment on celebrating India's Independence Day. Today we focused on India opening up more and beginning to resolve any issues that might be around homosexuality and actually what Manish is really advocating is go beyond even all that labels. I'm just letting you know that, you know, there are certain things going on in me and it's just different, but there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just different. And even then I'm not really different because there's nothing really wrong with me. So anyway, long story short, today's segment was really specifically designed on just letting you know that India is even awakening to the LGBTQ community and America should not be rolling back on these issues. We need to come to a place that if I accept my own limits, I can accept everyone as they are. And if I'm able to accept my own greatness, I can accept everyone as they are. People are all great in their own form, shape, size, colors, and orientation. Let us begin to come from our own awareness of how great we can be and make the world into a better place. Hope you've enjoyed today's segment. I know I did. Remember, no one's going to take away your happiness. No one, unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So it's time for us to wake that energy up. And as we all know, that if we shine our lights brightly, We'll be able to brighten the light within others. 
Here is a beautiful song called Subcooch from the Brahma Kumaris. Take care, everyone. Thank you. 
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.